Hello and welcome to the Tip Manor podcast. We are back after a week off. So we made it 15 episodes without taking a break. We've taken a break. We are now back. How's it going, lads? John, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. Um, well, we were going to take a longer break, weren't we? We just got thought we just need to chat about Oxford. So we're back a week early. But yeah, yeah. no, doing good. The news was building up around us. And so it would have felt even weirder to leave it another week, I think. Mm. Uh, John, are you aware I'm a Celebrity Starts tonight? It probably is going on right now as we're recording. I, b- I believe it is, yes. Are you a fan? Uh, I, I'm not in the part. I do like Anton Deck. I'm not that asked about uh, I'm a Celeb, to be honest. Who, who do you reckon of Oxford players over the last decade would, would do the best if they were on I'm a Celeb? Oh, I don't know. We've probably um, Michael Jubry, probably. D- Dubes? Why? He's just have that, he'd just have that personality and he's Name recognition as well. Okay, fine. I've, I thought Mackie would like to eat a couple of worms and that. Maybe a fresh spider. But who knows? Okay. Uh, Jack, you're back. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Um, had my own little international break. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about the continued unbeaten run. I know, yeah. Did you go? Did you just watch the England game? Just been on Kosovo away? No, I didn't. I uh, was kind of coming back from elsewhere and caught a bit of the Radio 5 commentary. It didn't sound very inspiring, so yeah. I left it alone. They, they're pretty tidy, Kosovo. They gave us a decent run for our money at home. But it's now getting to the point where we're favourites for the uh, Euros going into next year with some bookmakers. And it's not just because all England fans just optimistically splash all their money. <laughs> like there's actually, We've actually got a good team. And also, a lot of the other nations that are usually strong seem to have just fallen fallen away with their squads so I'm a bit I'm strangely optimistic going into next year now it's basically a home tournament Um, we need to be under the radar I need to go in quietly did you ever get tickets Jack with your application for the Euros oh what for any of the games no but um, because I'm in the England travel club I'm essentially guaranteed a ticket to all England games um, nice. so I'll most likely do all the group games and then decide from there well check you out I just didn't get anything. But I did apply for the game in that I think is going to be in Dublin that we're probably going to get. And then I. Yeah, if we win the group, we play in Dublin. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we've got stuff to talk about today. So we've got loads of news to go through, which will probably um, take us 10, 15 minutes or so. Uh, we'll talk about the Hayes and Yedding game. Feels like a million years ago now. Uh, we'll go through what happened at Crawley midweek. Uh, we'll talk about what's gone on in League One, be it that we haven't played. Um, we'll preview Southend. We'll have our on this day section. Do we have an on this day section? We do. I've done, I've done it. I love it, John. I love it. We'll do uh, the last pick, 11. I think we're on wingers still. And uh, we will wrap up with the quiz that Jack is doing this week. Oh, no, a head-to-head between me and John. I didn't... This. Didn't think about this. I'm on another post-wedding knackered session, so I'll probably repeat last pod's poor performance. Oh, let's hope so. Fingers crossed. Right. On we go. News. Double interlude. I know. I'm even more amped up after that intro. <laughs> right. The, the news. Um, so we've got to start on the biggest news, haven't we, chaps, really, that 
the training ground lease. So Oxford are going to take over the lease and management of the ground, yeah. which has taken 23 years to get this sorted. And that's it's really important for so many reasons that we'll, we'll chat about. I mean, one of the main ones is pure and simple. It's about we can now make revenue out of the training ground as well as having a permanent home as well. But that's supposed to trigger about a six-figure fee in terms of instead of paying rent to the previous management company, we'll, we'll actually be able to generate income from the public using the facilities there. I think there's a cricket pitch and some 3D pitches that they aren't even being used, but we can rent them yeah. out to, for people to use. So that's that's incoming revenue stream. And the other thing to mention about it is it's got to come with a really nice sort of community engagement plan. So we'll hold, you know, the local school football finals. There's really lots of nutrition, fitness classes for vulnerable groups, people with mental health, experiencing homelessness. And generally, it will be an open facility for community use, bar a few exceptions. So I think it's it's all good for all manner of reasons, as as we'll touch on. But I mean, sure, yeah, big step and all credits to the board. Sure, we agree with that? For sure. Yeah, I think it was 23 years is the length of the new lease that we've got. And it oh, was course, even longer yeah, yeah. that we were kind of scouring around trying to get a, like a permanent base sorted out. Yeah, the the Chris Williams article on on the Oxford website is is well worth a, a canter through and illustrates that how up and where and all over the place we've had various training grounds. So um, that's definitely worth a, a wing. But Jack, it's a big big building box ticked, isn't it? For in terms of key things to get right. Yeah, and I think for a club of our size, having a training ground that becomes a community asset is vital because. We always go on about being the only professional club in Oxfordshire, but we don't maybe see it on the gates. So if we can build that real community experience and alongside that get people interested in Oxford United as well, it can it can only be a positive thing. And I think we'll touch on it in a minute, but um, it sounds like Niall, Neil McWilliams has done a fantastic job in the background because he often gets criticised for kind of what does he actually do. But um, Chris James. Williams, amongst others, has really singled him out for high praise. So clearly, he's doing really good things. Actually, now, now, I don't give Mr. Mac <laughs> any more. I, I think that's other people. <laughs> you just always emphasize Mr. Mac. <laughs> I'm like, okay. yeah, you're obviously you know uh, uh, misbehaved at school, and he. Uh... I I saw him. I think it was him as I was like rushing back to the train station after Rotherham away. And I was I just needed to get the train, but I saw him. I was going to go over and just try and get him to come on the pod. And then uh, I just didn't have time. Next time I see him. Absolutely. Well, it's so I think it's it's a big box ticked. And then the stadium's going to take a lot longer. And Tiger was asked in the five-minute forum again this week, was there any more progress? And he, I think they talked about sort of some sites. They had some, some eyes on But I think we've just got to let that one sit for a while. But this is obviously huge, huge news. Also on the... Financial side of the club, um, Tiger also confirmed that we have paid off Daryl Eels for the money we've owed him previously, yeah. which I think is nice to have clean and swept. I don't fully understand the ins and outs of it, to be honest. But um, it, and he, he was also keen to say that we do still have a, a good relationship with with Daryl. So that ends a, a good period. Um, mm-hmm. Some other broader news. Um, it was a uh, funeral of, of Womble this week, and there was some which we talked about in a previous pod, and some lovely pictures on on social media of him back in the day wearing some very snappy outfits. Um, oh, it's that white suit. Yeah, wasn't it? exactly. It's um, beautiful. No, and I think it's um, that was really really great to to see. Um, and really nice that um, and I, I'm sure I believe this. Yeah, this is true that, that Kr went and he drove down from Liverpool and and drove straight back. So I mean, that's that's the sort of thing. Yeah, 
is not is not common for a manager to do. So really nice, nice touch. Um, yeah. Other news this week: we had the FA Cup draw this week. Warsaw or Darlington away? Who do we who would we prefer, James? Which would you? Uh, well, Darlington, obviously, because it's relatively close to here, yeah, to York. Um, and also, yeah, I think we we had a bit of chat on WhatsApp, didn't we, saying whether we remembered going there. But I still thought they played at the, that huge twenty five thousand seater arena, um, but apparently not. So yeah, I'd, I'd rather obviously have Darlington. Yeah, I, I I think so as well. And Walsall, I mean, I went last season, and it was it was a great game when we sort of effectively guaranteed we were yeah. staying up. Um, yeah, not the most um, exciting place around. The only pub we could find before the game was a half Chinese, half English pub. It's <laughs> <laughs> just random. Um, but anyway, so yeah, we'll see Walsall and Darlington are replaying on Wednesday, so we'll see who we've got after that. Uh, the Man City game has sold out, which is so obviously not very surprising at all. Um, even people seem to be moaning about not not getting tickets and so a few plastic fans emerging, but um, well, it's just the reality of it really, but that game will be on TV as well. Um, you know, the other thing I picked out today was the women's team beat Launton ladies 32 nil. That's, a, I mean, that's a, Aunt that's a cracking. Launton, but I used to play for Summertown stars and we used to play against Launton. So that seems like a bit of a, yeah, David Goliath situation anyway. Yeah. But I mean, even just to, Get to thirty-two yeah, is worthy of worthy of mention. I think really. it's not bad, is it? Yeah, no, not at all. Um, moving on to squad news. So, Brannigan's injury. I think KR's been pulling one of his manoeuvres by implying he'd be back for Ipswich. Well, he he, he confirmed he'd been pulling one of his manoeuvres, um, <laughs> and it's going to take a bit longer for Brannigan to come back. But I think with a postponement, that's that's not a, a major problem. Um, Josh Ruffles will be fit for South M, which is I think really good news. Um, and Hanson back in training the following week. Woodburn as well has apparently gone off uh, on Sunday with to do some warm weather training with with Liverpool. Um, you could argue it's probably better that he's all with the squad the entire time, but then I guess again it's mm. it's going to be good for him to be doing that. And that sort of looked like a, a mid December back in action. Um, other squad news was a slightly random one this week: a trivia with Nico Jones and Faz, which. <laughs> Talk about different worlds come together, um, but I think this is you know it's a nice thing that it's to try and encourage Nico Jones to be a bit more open, and he's only seventeen, so it's it's fair enough. Um, I was wondering though, I don't know what you guys think is is this a sort of a one-off management tactic, or is it actually bigging up Nico Jones, making him captain because we really see something in him, or do you think it's just a bit of a one-off? What do we reckon? I was reading too much into that. I think it's a bit of a combination because didn't we make Shandon captain against Man City last year? Yes, we did. Um, So I think it's it's KR's um, kind of belief in youth shining through because again, obviously he brought Deli Alley through at MK Don. So I think when he kind of um, sights up a player that he thinks is going to go on to big things, he's keen to make sure that they kind of stay level-headed but get the rewards. So with someone like Nico Jones, as you say, he's, what, 17 years old. He, he's a boy still. Um, I think it's just showing, giving him that little glimpse of, look, imagine how where you can get to if you work hard. You know, you're getting captain, Oxford's youngest ever captain. Um, 
just giving him a taste of the, the high life, if you like. And then he could well be back training with the youth team this week, for example, because he's only been getting on the bench in the league. So it's giving a bit of a taste, I think. Yeah, I forget who was saying it in interviews as well, but it was someone from the club just saying the youth of today just don't use their mouths to communicate anymore. And that was a big factor in it, in that you can tell with uh, Nico as well in interviews and stuff like pre-Crawley that a lot of the kind of speaking type stuff, it just isn't necessarily his bag. Yeah. And, you know, it's something he's going to have to grow into. And it, <laughs> there's a funny thing I was going to touch on when we talk about the Crawley game, but it makes sense now where uh, the players had been winding up, or at least KR or someone had been winding Nico up, that he had to do like a pre-match team talk type thing <laughs> for all the players. And apparently he was absolutely cacking himself. And then they were like, no, we're just just winding you up, pal. But um, no, fair play to him. He seems like a solid player. Those three games he had at the back end of last season as well proved that we've got a real talent there. So good stuff. Well, I was, yeah, I was going to mention those those three games and some of the guys who in our sports group had seen, went to those games and said he, it was very promising and then he hasn't really been seen since. But we do need to think about, and we'll get onto it in a second, that were we to lose Dickie and potentially Elliot Moore in the near future, it'd be nice to have someone coming up to step into one of those centre-back roles. So yeah, no, all, all good stuff. Um, other squad-wise stuff, Cadden still hangs in the air as to what's going on with him. I think KR's been pretty open as his Tiger that they'd want to make it permanent. Um, but that's going to be a, an issue that I'm sure is under control, but is rapidly going to become quite a, a clinch point. Of course, Long's doing well, but we'll need some depth. I, I don't understand how we could... If you're Columbus Crew and you sign a player who's then gone on and has got better, probably, since he's been signed and gone out on loan again, like to not to then sell him on a permanent basis to someone just would be so bizarre. I know circumstances change and maybe something would change at their end, but it seems highly unlikely, right? That Well, the price of him would surely be. go up as well to yeah. what we probably couldn't afford. So, yeah, I think we need to brace ourselves for that one. Um, and he's obviously, well, he must have committed to moving to the US to want to play over there as well, unless it really is some sort of bizarre transfer dodgy manoeuvre as it was it's been a very strange process right from the start hadn't it because originally we were signing him permanently then suddenly Columbus crew turned up then there was all the rumours that like you just said we were kind of sidestepping the whole compensation laws Mm. Um, Columbus crew haven't really said very much about him signing at all apart from oh we'll see him in March for pre-season and we keep making the noises that we want him permanently so yeah, I think that will play out quite interestingly in January. I wonder how much like players are on at teams like Columbus Crew over there because it has to be a fair whack to screw your chances potentially of um, being scouted for a championship club or even playing in the championship with us next year. You know, there's some real money there for players as well. I know money's not everything, but in terms of like looking at your career as a relatively young, you know, forward-looking player. I, I would argue that we're a better prospect right now. Maybe that's just my bias opinion. But I mean, sc- scouting and keeping on pl- our players has come on tenfold, but there's always that thing of out of sight of managers who just sort of relentlessly ingrained in their own leagues yeah. can, can make it. So no, I think it's a fair point. Um, the only yeah. other thing to really mention squad-wise um, is really just the confirmation that Dickie, Brannigan and Fossu, Tiger was talking about 
they're happy here. Don't need to sell them. We're not under any financial pressure to sell them. But I think that's going to be a, a real crunch time in January. And we'll be um, hoping to get to the 31st as, or whenever the window closes as, as soon as possible, really. Um, do you think we'll keep them or are we going to lose some of it? I think the biggest potential loss is Brannigan just because of his contract situation. Um, I think Fozu signed, was it three years? Yeah. Um, and oh, Dickie, Dickie and Brannigan, well. they signed at the same time? I can't remember, but I think Brannigan's the one who's been pulling up trees, so he's oh. the biggest risk, if you like. I think Fozu will stay at least till the summer. Dickie, who knows? Um, we've seen with people like Nelson that they seem to move in the summer rather than in January for a defender. Yeah. Um, so, I'd, yeah, I'd say Brannigan's the biggest risk. How long have Dickie and Brannigan got left on their deals? A, a year, maybe, Max. A year from next summer, basically. Yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think that's right. Um, personally, I would rather keep, if I could keep any of them, it's Dickie at the moment for me. But I know we've got Elliot Moore there in reserve, but having, you know, Moose is getting older. You know, and we're we're going to be left with two fantastic centre backs in Moore and um, Dicky for this level, but they they're hard to come by, I think. Yeah, I think the only thing to to conclude the news would be to add to that is that okay, I mentioned that he is doing a bit of scouting, looking around at, at some games. He mentioned Swindon Salford in terms of striker and looking at players with January in mind. So, I guess that will be a bit of an indicator potentially as well who comes in there. But I mean, it's. It, positive position overall well there'll definitely be fees involved should it happen so yeah i think we've just got to look at it as a continuing show of what we're the sort of different players we can develop really yeah the only other thing was matty taylor so i think tiger was asked um in the forum chat like do we want to sign him permanently and tiger just said yes Uh, (laughs) but then i think there was a follow-up question saying would we have to sell players to be able to afford to pay for him whatever else and he said no as per what you said earlier john but you know fingers crossed that we can strike a deal or something in um january that'd be really healthy the thing with taylor is as well because he played this is a daft rule but because he played 10 minutes for bristol city at the start of the season he can only play for them or us so if they're not too bothered about getting him back and giving him game time we know he's not going to get recalled. They might as well just strike a deal because you'd think they'd want a bit of extra money to boost their own squad. So hopefully yeah. we can wrap it up kind of quite early on as well. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Is that the news, John? Yeah, there was no more news. Right. As I said, uh, the Hayes and Yedding game feels like a long, long time ago. But in terms of the team, I think we're all pretty pleasantly surprised that we had a really strong looking lineup. I guess it wasn't that much of a surprise when it, given that the Ipswich game was postponed. So we had basically Eastwood in in net. We had Cadden coming back from injury. Uh, Ruffles wasn't quite fit, so Sam Long stayed left back. Moore and Dickey partnered centre backs, and then Henry Baptiste Gorin in the centre of the park with Fosu, Taylor, and Ford up top. Uh, so the game, we we looked, I thought, incredible in that first half. I know, again, you've got to consider the quality of opposition, but in these types of kind of tough games, I think KR or someone was saying afterwards, maybe it was, um, who's the bloody, it was Kinnebra who was on um, Radio Oxford 
And he kept saying how easy Hayes and Yedding were making it, like how polite everyone was being around the place, how nice the pitch was, et cetera, et cetera. And it played into our hands a bit, but it kind of did feel a bit like that in the first half. I don't know what you think, John, watching the game. We were kind of dominating possession from the start. I think it was a reflection of the the quality and the, and the composure we had that they just couldn't get near us because we were very much on it. Gorin was absolutely running the show at times. And yeah, they, they could perhaps try to put a few more tackles in on us. But I think it was a testament to how well we were playing and they knew what they were up against. So they were probably being relatively cautious. So yeah. I, I don't quite buy that too much. Fair enough. So early on, uh, Matty Taylor had a goal ruled out for offside. Really nice move. Uh, I think his complaint when he ran over to the lino was that he felt he was actually behind the ball as it was played across from Cadden. Fossu then hit the underside of the bar with a great, what, what do we call it? Like a knuckle puck. No, that's something yeah. from uh, the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> what do I mean? Knuckleball. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that a thing in the Mighty Ducks? I think it is. The big well, lad. We're, we're calling it. It's been established now. Knuckle puck. Yeah, knuckle puck shot. Great knuckle puck shot. And it came like smashing down off the underside of the bar. I think Martin Keown made a little noise of excitement, which is all you're ever going to get from him. Oh, um, God, yeah. He, his son used to play for Summertown Stars when I was there as well. So you used to see him all the time on, on at the sidelines of the pitches as you walked around. I was once in a lesson at school and he came in through the door with his son and he was obviously having a look around to see if he wanted to send his child to the school but he's just sort of like just charged in and was like oh carry on lads and I was like well thanks for that Martin it's <laughs> <laughs> Martin See, Keown yeah it was my, it was just burst through the door Martin Keown there like and that was it like, that's anyway. nice nice did his son go to the school I don't think so um, oh. Well, I mean, we all like we all like you know threw things at him and all that. Sort of. Do you need to raise <laughs> something to the police if he's just storming in schools and then walking out again? Or well, I assume it was his child as well. Like, I mean, if it wasn't, it really was a bit dodgy. <laughs> okay. But anyway, Martin, if you're listening, that was banter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Certified. Uh, <laughs> Taylor was then um, played through by Baptiste a bit later on in the first half. He tried to kind of take around the keeper, who then did very well to kind of smother the ball at his feet. And then we just went and scored from a effing corner all over again. So unbelievable stuff considering we went however many it was, 90-odd before scoring from one. Uh, similar kind of thing where it kind of hit a few people, knocked back across goal. I think Dickie got the initial header, then Taylor uh, hit the crossbar, and then Sam Long kind of followed it up with another header. Um, Jack, could you believe it? Another corner. No, but I uh, definitely believed it when I remembered I'd put Sam Long first goal scorer. Um, oh, nice. So, yeah, that 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 definitely made me believe it. The, the thing is, Sam Long seems to have the habit of being one of those players who just, a bit like the Johnny Mullins magnet style as back in the day, <laughs> he always seems to be where the ball is going to be, either for the first contact or for the rebound. Um, yeah. So in that sense, he, he offers quite a lot. He, we actually look a threat with him in the side from corners. So uh, that'll be something that drops out when he eventually, presumably, loses his place back to Ruffles again. Yeah. The fullbacks were very high. I think it generally seems to be pushing higher and higher up in the pitch. And I think that's always KR's preferred tactic. But you could see Long was always hovering around the back post for most of the game. The, we then, just before the close of the first half, Fosu did another knuckle pucker. Uh, another free kick this time kind of driven low 
um, keeper's right hand side, hit the post, and then kind of hit the keeper in the back, and he just kind of rolled over gracefully and picked it up. But yeah, we were unlucky to go in only one nil up. Essentially, it was we dominated the half. Um, Steve Kinnebrough on Radio Oxford kept making the point that Hazen Yedding needed to change something and they needed to stop us getting down the flanks. And then they did make exactly that change by going to more of a 3-5-2 or a 5-3-2 formation. And it definitely worked. Uh, the, the fella for Hazen Yedding called Obi, um, no relation to Obi Mikel or anyone else, but he started to create problems for us down the wings. So he created a good chance that ended up kind of being it was kind of like back heeled into Eastwood's arms. And then uh, it caused Dickie some real issues. Kind of Dickie got in kind of like a right back position. So Obi was going down the left-hand side, brought ultimately a great save from Eastwood from close range, from a kind of tight angle. And then um, not much. We weren't really creating much in that second half. Robbie Hall then comes on the pitch and 44 seconds later, bang, a great kind of team move from us basically culminated in Taylor kind of picking the ball up from Fosu just outside the box. Taylor does this and I really, really loved this. He kind of drags the ball back to give Robbie Hall a moment to kind of make a run. And then he plays like an inch perfect kind of weighted ball through to Robbie Hall. Uh, and he just kind of uses the bobble on the ball to dink a delightful finish over the keeper. And it was beautiful. Is Robbie Hall... I know we're, you know, we're going to talk about him again when we get to the Crawley game, but John, do you think Robbie Hall is finally on his way back? He looks like he's got that confidence and, it, you know, he's confident enough in his body and he's got that turn of pace back. Yeah, I, I think it's really, really encouraging as, as we'll get to. And he's, he's taken a couple of hits as well in some of his earlier games since he's come back and has come through that as well. But I mean, it was a lovely move. I mean, their defence was probably a little bit static, but he, he has that... Um, just all these little sort of jinks and twists seem to be moving. And I've not seen him sort of like knock the ball and run down the wing yet, but I think he'll probably start to change his game a bit as well and be a bit more playing closer to the striker potentially. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think um, I think it's really encouraging to have him coming back at this time of the season as well. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, well, he's a, he's always been a confidence player. And I think, obviously, coming back from injury... Um, he needed to A, get fit and B, get game time. And he's shown now that um, he seems to be almost back at kind of full pace. I don't think he'll ever be the kind of 18-year-old we had however many years ago on loan. But he's perhaps rescuing us a bit. Because I think in January, the wings might have been somewhere we'd want to strengthen in, just another option. But if he's coming back hmm. all guns blazing again, we probably don't need to. Yeah, I didn't actually think he'd kind of rediscover this type of form. But as you said, John, it seems like, and Jack actually, like his, his pace might not be quite there as it was when we got him on loan from West Ham. But he's still, what, only like 26 or something? He's not, I thought he was older than he is. I think he's something like that. Um, yeah, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I think you're right. He's been, because we had him when he was so young. Was he 17, 18 when he first yeah. came along? I, rem- he- I remember him scoring a Macclesfield away in the last minute. And- in the last minute, yeah. yeah. That was a brilliant day. Yeah, it was beautiful. Hang on, I'm looking on my phone. Robbie Hall. How old are you, bud? <laughs> 26, yeah. 20th of October, 1993. So he's only just 26 as well. Aylesbury. I always forgot he was born in Aylesbury. There you go. Anyway, what I was going to say is that even without the pace, he seems to be able to find the space for himself to get a, get off a shot regularly. So cutting in from that left-hand side, um, sorry, the right-hand side on his left foot 
seems to be what he's doing. He did it a few times in the second half um, in this game. So, um, so before the game ended, yeah, Eastwood made a couple of great saves from one from a long range strike, one from a really really close header that looked destined to go in. Um, and then, as I said, yeah, Hawley just looked really sharp and had a couple of really good efforts from range. One brought a solid save. One kind of clipped the outside of the far post. But yeah, it was a really good game. He looked great, basically. He kind of really shone when he came on the pitch. But all in all, very kind of solid performance. You'd definitely take a 2-0 away at kind of a, a place like Hayes and Yedding before the game. So KR kind of said that, as you'd expect, we're really solid, really good first half, second half. He felt that we were less team focused and the guys were kind of playing more as individuals, maybe playing up a bit to the cameras. Um, he then said that we he would like to kind of build up some kind of relationship with Hayes and Yedding, um, maybe to send players to them on loan and we'd certainly come and play them in pre-season and that type of stuff, which I thought kind of does suggest to Steve Kinnebra's point that they were very kind of welcoming and maybe overly welcoming if they're getting that kind of praise after the game, but maybe in the longer term, it's it's for their benefit if we're going to strike up that type of relationship with them. So, um, you've already mentioned the draw, haven't you? So, Jack, did you? I don't think you got a chance to answer last time. What do you want, Warsaw or Darlington? Um, I don't know. There's there's positives and negatives to both. I can't go, so I'm not <laughs> as set on Darlow. Um, Darlow's new ground is very similar to uh, Hayes. Warsaw seemed to have a good win this weekend, so we'll see. I mean, you just didn't answer the question. You've got to pick one. Warsaw. <laughs> Fine. Okay, right. Any other comments on that game? John, I guess you were watching it in the pub with Ben, weren't you? Yeah, we um, dominated an area of the pub and annoyed many Man City fans who turned up for the for the game later and couldn't believe why we were so obsessed with this game. But yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was good fun. Oh, me and um, Shanks in the Derby sports bar started off around the main screen. And as soon as people started drifting in for the early coverage of the Man City game, they asked us to move, but they actually gave us our own private booth in like the back room and oh, then nice. um, gave us table service as well. So yeah, it's brilliant actually. Good stuff. They thought you were from Oxford, and that's just what you deserve. Well, yeah, I imagine so. They all the uh, bar manager was a Leeds fan, and yeah. he went from being really knowledgeable. So he said, "Oh, we bought roof off you, didn't we? Oh, we did really well for you guys. Oh, we've sold him. Blah 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 blah." And then he went, "Oh, what league are you guys in? It's a national league, isn't it?" And oh, we were like, uh, "Whoa, uh, hold on a minute!" You should have chucked your glass at him. What? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Disgraceful. Right. Anyway. Nothing like wrapping up a section with some assault <laughs> chat. <laughs> anyway. Assault banter. Yeah. Um, Jack, I've, I think it was you that put a bit of a comment around this competition. I know we talked in previous pods around this competition, but you summed it up so beautifully. And I wish I kind of copied and pasted it so I could read it out. But you're basically saying that, you know, for this competition. Uh, oh, yeah. I Yeah. I was quite impressed with how I worded it as well, actually. Um <laughs> I think I said something along the lines of, I think the competition is ridiculous having the academy teams in, but if we can use it to our advantage by blooding our own young players, 
um, getting them experience, making a bit of money along the way, then that that's great. You've got to make the best out of a crappy situation, if you like. Yeah. And we've seen now, I, I mean, I haven't done the numbers, but I must be eight, nine, ten of our youth team over the past couple of seasons who've got game time. Yeah, We've seen Nico Jones be captain. We've seen uh, Tyler Goodrahan be, become the youngest ever player. Spazoff, Lopez, Lofthouse, uh, Stevens, you know, I think we finished with about seven or eight academy products or current academy players on Tuesday. So yeah, that's better than playing a one-off friendly every three weeks for the under-23s. So that there is some positive to it. Um, yeah, it's a competitive yeah, fixture that fans are still kind of engaged with. And actually, I'm, I feel more engaged now that we are putting such a focus on the youth coming through. It is their opportunity to shine and to get some recognition for their progress. So, yeah, I agree about the under-21 teams and stuff being in it. But I'm actually really quite enjoying enjoying it this year. Um, it's really relaxing. It's not stressful to listen in either. Um, there's always, you know, a bit of a friendly atmosphere. It's quite nice, basically, yeah, listening to Oxford when there's no stress or tension associated with it. So, John, where are you at with it? Same Same kind of stuff? Same sort of thing. I mean, in previous seasons, for example, when we were trying to get out of League Two, I was always in the camp of like, nope, just these cups are not important. We just need to focus on the league, be fresh. But we're not in that space anymore. And I think our players just need playing as many games together. This is a got a good nucleus of players that you think will stick around for a little while. So for me, it's just about more time on the pitch. And, and yeah, I echo the points you made about young players. So it's a necessary evil, I suppose. Yeah. So as we said before, Nico Jones captain the side. Uh, Anthony Ford actually went back to right back. And KR was talking with the Oxford Mail before about how kind of with Cadden's future up in the air and it potentially leaving in January, maybe Ford um, can do a job there. I think they were saying that his delivery is rated above anyone else in the squads type thing. So they were saying if Ford could do a job at right back against certain teams, then maybe that's something that we could, an, an option for us to go to basically. Um Zamori played his first game. Uh, KR was a bit brutal in his pre-match interview, saying we'd not seen enough of him in training to say he deserves to be anywhere near the squad. Um, but that's football and it's ruthless, is what he said. He has a chance tonight to prove he deserves to challenge for a squad place. His pedigree's there, given his um, past um, kind of career in Holland. Well, I think he played in the league below the Edries... How do you, how do you bloody say it? Edriesville or whatever it is. <laughs> say it, John. Come on. Eredivisie or something like that. Yeah, that sounds better, Jack. Eredivisie. <laughs> that sounds like a posh wine. <laughs> I'll have some Eredivisie, please. Anyway, uh, we made seven changes basically. Uh, sorry, they made seven changes, Crawley, and they they were playing Morecambe um, yesterday. How did they go on? I think they drew one all in the end yesterday, but they were basically prepping for that game. Morecambe were really struggling, so they needed to rest players themselves. Um, so we had Burko come in left back, Jones with Massinho, Ford right back, Gorin, Sykes and Baptiste, pretty strong central midfield, Zamori and then Danny Aji back from the <laughs> dead um, up front. And then Robbie Hall uh, got a start as well after coming on, as we said, um, in the Hazen Yedding game. So started pretty well. Baptiste had a chance cleared off the line very early on and then we kind of got that goal. So Hall scoring in his his third goal in three appearances and it was quite a comical goal actually and it was 
made even better by Crawley fans kind of going way when they thought um, Zamori had fallen over the ball and kind of lost the chance, but he managed to play it back to Robbie Hall, who hit a pretty weak side-footed effort, kind of a grass cutter along the floor, and then the, the keeper decided that he just couldn't be asked and just let it go through his legs which was great. So we took the lead. But what was fantastic, yeah, if you <laughs> listen back to the highlights of that, Crawley guys are giving Zamori a load of jip. Then he gets a nice assist for a goal. So uh, you can hear <laughs> what I really liked about this game is on the radio and looking back to the highlights, you can hear KR's, you know, vocals just going absolutely batshit crazy on the touchline throughout the whole kind of game. Um, and at times you could, <laughs> I think the Radio Oxford guys were wondering whether they need to just every now and then just try and bleep or just say <laughs> apologize but he was K- bollocking um, rob hall all the time is yeah Holly, <laughs> Holly. it goes he goes up to a, a tone that is just hard you know it's very hard to reach i mean i've got i feel like i can hit a hit a note at times but not not quite like kr can um it, it reminded me a bit of um billy turley and billy turley used to shout <laughs> his voice was so squeaky it was unbelievable yeah Billy Turley. What's Billy Turley's song again? Why has that gone out of my head? It's it's rude, isn't it? Actually, yeah, let's not sing that. Something about your wife, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's come back to me. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Danny Adji had a good chance. And actually, he looked pretty um, comfortable on the ball. So he was played through by Moose, like very straightforward kind of through ball right from the back, but kind of really good first touch from Adji. He made space for himself to get a good shot away and then decent save by the keeper this time. Um, we then got a penalty, so Dan Aji, he kind of had a goal-bound shot, hit hit an arm at close range. It was harsh, but it did look like it was going in, so, you know, don't know, 50-50. KR was then shouting dramatically, Holly! 40! From the side, as in it was either Ford or Hall that he wanted to take it. Ford stepped up this time and a decent penalty. Um, Crawley then went down. Um, was were we? Did we go into... We went in 2-0, didn't we, at half-time? And then they came out uh, early on in the second half, got a scrap-a-do of a goal, which was just horrible. It was one of them where we just couldn't really clear our lines. But, you know, it was it was just a bit unlucky, I guess. Um, Sykes managed to kind of get into his stride, had a great chance, well saved by the keeper. And then another penalty. So Sykes dispossessed the Crawley centre-back, who was just flabbering around um got the wrong side of him and then was brought down red card and penalty. It looked mega soft, but I guess you just couldn't really see it from the angle of the highlights. Robbie Hall steps up down the middle, four goals in three games. Um, decent stuff. I guess there's not that much more to say about about the game, is there? It's a difficult one. John, did you were you listening in or did you catch up on the highlights? Or I've seen the highlights. I mean, it just seemed to be, I guess because the fans, no fans there, but seemed a very open game and we were going through the lines like like anything and one of our Yorkshire Yellows George Fryer was down at the game <laughs> he was, oh, he was yeah. so he was so keen because he moved down to Brighton he was so keen to get to a game now that we're all basically in the north in <laughs> away games and uh, he was sort of giving us various comments on it he was just saying they, they were pretty rubbish and barely had, had any any possession really so I think it was they just seemed yeah very poor yeah, I was telling George to give it large to the Crawley fan that turned up to a game with like 200 people at it with a bloody <laughs> drum. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. God, unbelievable. Jerome was very upset when he saw that coming through the turnstiles. Um, Sam Long came on, cleared a header off the line. Um, 
put the ball quickly up the pitch to Fabio Lopez, who kind of cut inside well, drew a really good save from the keeper. That would have been a really nice touch if he managed to notch a goal. Again, looked pretty comfortable on the ball when he came on. Um, and then we got another penalty. So this by this time, it was pretty comical for, I think, the Crawley side of things. But Sykes uh, was pl- played a good ball through to Dan Adji. Keeper brought him down. It was a very theatrical dive, but who cares? Hall steps up again, um, low left-hand corner this time, and then that's five goals in three games. Penalties count, don't they, Jack? When we're looking at form and stuff? Yeah, definitely. Oh, definitely. Like my uh, When we had Rob Duffy, he was penalty king. They uh, definitely used to count because he was my hero at the time. So, yeah, penalties count. He did love a pen. Uh, so that was it, 4-1. Uh, reaction, KR basically said Sykes had a great performance. Talked about how there are three 17-year-olds on the pitch. Talked about how Robbie Hall got a hat-trick, be it two were pens. Had a bit of a laugh about that. Talked about Nico being the youngest ever captain. And uh, Tyler Goodrum came on as well and was the youngest player. And it was a lovely interview with him on um, Yellow Player. I don't know if you guys caught it. He was kind of gesticulating like Tony Blair with his hand, um, <laughs> which was lovely. But I'm sure he'll grow into the interviews. But he he sounded like a very intelligent young lad and um let's hope that he gets a few more minutes and maybe in this competition yeah as we go on i was going to say actually um his interview style and the way he presented himself was actually very good we we're talking about mm. nico jones earlier who seems very shy in front of camera at least um whereas i thought tyler goodraham was really kind of confident and for a, what is he 16 he's way more yeah. confident than i would have been so he looks a quite level-headed young man. Yeah, he seemed like a good lad. And also, apparently, his first few touches on the pitch were were brilliant. Um, I think uh, Chris Williams was laughing about how uh, Callum O'Dowd's first few touches, he fell over the ball once, and then I think he did like a, a foul throw-in or something, the second touch. I don't remember <laughs> what it was. Anyway, um, yeah, they laughed again about... Um, Nico Jones and his nerves leading up to kick off and yeah, him having to do the team talk. They talked about that. That was funny. Um, but yeah, KR was saying, he made a point say that how, I don't know how much he plays on this type of thing, but he was saying it was actually a huge game for him. And he highlighted how important it was for the club to kind of demonstrate our confidence in bringing the youth through. And we've, you know, we've talked about it when we were chatting about the competition as a whole, but I kind of get that and I'm definitely buying into it now. And he obviously thanked George and the, the other 99 fans that came along, um, which was really good. And he said the players made a big effort to go over. And I think Robbie Hall was having pictures and stuff. So that was great. Um, so the draw. So we uh, drew X. I think we had to have an away tie, be it that we um, finished second in the group. So we've been drawn yesterday away to Exeter City uh, in the second round. And we're in the... I didn't really understand how this uh, competition works, to be honest, but we're in Southern Group B, John. Does that excite you? No. Okay. <laughs> so we're ties to be played December the 2nd. Uh, we've got Exeter away and other teams in that group are MK Dons are playing Coventry, Peterborough are playing Ipswich and Bristol are playing Leighton Orient. Did any of you see that Ipswich took um, <laughs> like 3,000 fans or something to... Did they, did, was that for a league game or was it... Surely it was for a league game. Maybe not. No, no, it was against um, Colchester in the in the whatever it's called, Tin Pot Trophy. Did they win? No, they lost 0. 
So how are they in this competition? Oh, they'd already gone through. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's it's all making a, sense to me. That's a geography thing as well, surely. But still, like 3,000 fans on well, a yeah, Tuesday yeah, night for a well, it's a bit, trophy game. It's a bit like when uh, Sunderland played the Newcastle Academy last year. Newcastle filled the away location at Sunderland of about 4,000. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's the, it's the geography thing. How um, weird. Never mind. <laughs> Whatever that was, yeah. <laughs> There's a Geordie bloke at work, and he absolutely loves it when I hawe hawe him, especially in front of other colleagues. He thinks it's fantastic. Anyway, should we wrap up League One? Uh, okay, I guess I'm wrapping up League One. We, we didn't really agree who was doing this, did we? <laughs> I will do it. So we obviously haven't played and there were a load of postponements yesterday. So on uh, the Tuesday after, so we played Pompey, drew one all. Then the Tuesday following that, Pompey played Southend and won 4-1. So maybe I'm guessing Kenny Jacket is still around for now. Um, yeah. Rochdale lost 1-0 at home to Ipswich. And then a result that did stand out on that Tuesday night was Shrewsbury beating Peterborough 1-0. I think um, Peterborough missed a penalty in that, which was fantastic as well. Um, I see them as a massive rival for promotion, ultimately, Peterborough. So the mm. more points they drop, the better. Um, going into yesterday then, so Saturday, uh, Blackpool beat AFC Wimbledon 2-0. I think Nangile got both goals in that. Bolton uh, <laughs> missed a penalty in the 89th minute or something. And it was, uh, what's his name? Daryl Murphy. And then in the 92nd minute, scored the winning goal for them to win 1-0. I think, Jack, you were saying they're now, what? what how many points do they have now? They're into positive, so they're on one point. Um, but they've actually got three games in hand on Wimbledon, who are just outside the relegation zone. And they're only 12 points behind Wimbledon now, um, which is quite impressive, actually. So I think we commented after the horrendous nil-nil. I think a couple of us said it will be very interesting to see with their full squad what happens. And I think they're slowly starting to pull it together. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a shame they started all of this against us, isn't it? Anyway, uh, Bristol Rovers and Sunderland postponed. Burton Albion v Southend uh, postponed. Coventry then beat uh, Rochdale 2-1. So Rochdale having a tough time of it. So I'm guessing Coventry is still right up there at the moment. Maybe they leapfrogged Mm -hmm. us, I guess. Yeah, I think they did. Yeah, we're Uh, down to seventh now. Oh, well, well, at least the table will start flattening out anyway with games played soon, which will cheer me up a bit. Um, Doncaster Rovers uh, and Shrewsbury postponed. Gillingham beat Lincoln 1-0. Maps having a bit of a tough time, a tough start there. Their form is not good. Um, obviously, we were postponed via Ipswich. Portsmouth and Fleetwood postponed. And then Rotherham beat Accrington Stanley 1-0. So I'm guessing they're still pushing right up there at the top as well. And that is about that. So going uh, on, Wickham beat Tranmere today two 0 So they, oh, did they? The juggernaut continues. Jesus Christ! That the game role. against them on when is it? Twentieth of December or something? That's going to be big. That's good. I'm going to have to get to that because that's going to be a massive game. One right. One of the League One thing. Um, yeah. Dean Whitehead's joined Shrewsbury as first team coach. So him and Sam Ricketts, a bit of an Oxford old boy combination going on. Getting the gang back together. It's nice. There you go. Right, so Southend next week. So Southend 
proper bogey team. I think that's fair to say. I've been looking at our record and since 2000, we've played them 29 times across various competitions, mainly in the league. But question for you guys is how many times have we actually won in those 29 games? Have a guess. Four. No, not better than that. Seven. It is seven. Bang on, bang on seven. Seven out of 29 games. And how many have we lost of those 29 games? Take a guess. 15. Not not close. It's 17. We've lost to them 17 times, um, which, is, oh. which is just painful, really. I mean, to be fair, our recent... In the in the 80s, we had a, a better record against them, but our recent record isn't too bad in the grand scheme of things against that backdrop. Um, we've won two, drawn two, and we've lost one. And But we haven't won against them for some two seasons when um, Riccardino and Henry scored. I think it was away at them. So... But you know, it, it's um, they're in a shocking position, really. I mean, they're twenty second, and I, I think they're effectively rock bottom. If you take Bolton as, as a bit of an, an exception, and they've conceded forty eight goals, wow. and have only scored seventeen. They haven't won since the twenty first of September against Milton Keynes away, which is um, all of this is making me extremely nervous. Yeah, well. It, I, I can't make it any better, I'm afraid. Um, they did win their last game against AFC, which was in the uh, the Tim Pot Trophy, and they seem to be making a big deal about how that's a, a turning corner. But then the game before that, they lost to Dover in the FA Cup. And of the last 10 games, they've lost nine, which included a draw, and they were beaten 7-1 at home by Doncaster, which did for old Gary Waddock. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I really can't make it much better. I mean, Sol Campbell... The genius that is Sol Campbell has come in with um, Herman Arides and Andy Cole, which is quite an old school um, um, team. Mm. They've, I mean, Southend have just played Portsmouth, Sunderland, and Ipswich. It's a pretty hard game, which they've all lost, which they've lost all of them. Um, it's a hard game to start with, but I think that's just me trying to find a glimmer of a yeah. positivity. And um, you know, Campbell's got a hell of a job on there. It's um, it's a slightly worse position than what he did with Macclesfield, and it's a league higher, so. I think we'll we'll see where he gets to. Um, players wise, I mean, I, I don't I don't really know know many of their players. And Simon Cox is the one that always seems to knock up and and score a few goals. And they signed quite a few players at the start of the season. It doesn't seem to have worked out. Didn't um, Cox used to play for Swindon? Uh, Reading. He might have played for Swindon as well, but I think he oh. played for for Reading. I mean, Jack, do you know any of the South End players? You you know, um, got a good knowledge they... of these things. They did sign Liam Ridgewell at the start of the season. I don't know if he plays. Um, no, he, I did look at him. He he's technically listed, but he's apparently not training with them. And Campbell says, like you know, he's basically out of the picture. So yeah. the only we'll... the only other one is uh, Nathan Ralph. We tried to sign. Uh, I think it was last season from Woking, but he went right. to Dundee instead. Um, well, their their chairman Ron Martin, love a good Ron. Um, he, he's been absolutely brutal on their players in some of his comments. You know, a number of them are not in our plans. Um, we thought we'd sign better. So, yeah, it's a real um, <laughs> it's a real expletive show down there by the, by the sounds of it. Simon Cox, by the way, um, yeah, he did play for Swindon and he had better than a goal every other game record for them, which is decent. Then he went to West Brom. Uh, then he went to Forest before he went to Reading, basically. He reminds so, me yeah. of Simon Yeo or... Yo, he used to play for Lincoln. Just that sort of good 
striker that just always gets in the right place. Um, so yeah, I think they'll they're changing. I mean, to looking at their formations, for example, they're they're chopping and changing. They they were playing three four one two last game. They played five three two. So I think it's it's still a work in progress. But in theory, they've had a, a few days to. Or they will have had a few days to install Campbell's grandiose ideas. So so who knows? Um, <laughs> predictions, Jack. What do you reckon? Um. Well, it's one of them, isn't it? You've just destroyed our kind of hopes through the stats. But <laughs> you would, I, I think if we score early, we'll go on to win 2-3-0. Um, but I think it won't be as easy as that and we'll nick it 1-0 late on. Uh, I, um, I agree with Jack in that I think if we notch a goal early on or before half-time... And they have to come out at us. I think we'll. I think it'll be a comfortable game, or we'll get more. You know, we'll get a couple more, maybe. Um, I'm really nervous actually about this. If I'm gonna be pess, I might maybe I'll be pessimistic for once and say we'll draw um, one all or something like that. But I'd, I'm hoping again we get a, have a good start. Something's got to turn for them at some stage, you think, or at least they've got to try and kick on for a bit of a run. And given what happened when we were doing predictions for that Bolton game, I'm um, <laughs> I'm hesitant. I, I think I think yeah, there's a load of decent points well made there. I think it'll be an absolute battle. They'll probably be quite long ball, quite quite direct. I think we'll we'll get through it comfortably enough, but we'll just have to, you know, win the battles and and that sort of stuff. But I think we'll win two two three nil if it opens out in the second half when they come on to us. Good stuff. Uh, right, what have we got next? We're on on this day. I just realised we didn't do a pub chat, John. How dare you? It's uh, missing in action. Um, always there goes is... to the supporters bar at the ground. Come on, that's. <laughs> there was actually the reason I mentioned it is I've never been to South End, so I don't. I don't know. I can't even claim that. It is a horrendous place. In fact, the last time we went there, we got the train there. You have to, you know, we got a train there from London. A South End fan was on the train sitting on the table next to a group of us. And we said, oh, do we... He basically came over to our table before he got off and he said, don't get off on this one, lads. I don't know I'm doing this accent. He's not Northern, is he? How do I do an Essex? Don't get off at this one, lads. Get off at the next one. And we went, oh, thanks, mate. That's really nice of you. Thanks. Thanks for the tip. And then uh, we waited until the next stop, got off, and we were absolutely fucking miles away. And he'd absolutely done us. (laughs) So... Anyway, I'll lesson learned. My, I think my one experience of Southend involved a pub called the Blue Boar. Uh, I don't remember much about it apart from it was round the corner and served beer. So in that sense, it does the job. Yeah, I've got a video on my Twitter of um, what's the chap called Connor? I don't remember his surname. Anyway, there was a lot of the old ultras were in um, one of the pubs just around the corner from the ground and it was decent actually. And it was definitely like the away pub. So I'm sure there'll be something like that again. Anyway, on this day, John. I'm not going to wait for the interlude. I'm just going to gamble that that it doesn't happen. Um, So I found two for on this day and linking to youngest ever players making their debut. We played, uh, well, Declan Benjamin made his debut on the 17th of November uh, back in, well, Mm. Lost the date now, but um, he was 16 years, 286 days, and of course he's now been taken over by uh, by um, Goodrum. So that was one that that sprung up. But the game I found was a was an FA Cup game, um, surprisingly enough, which was 
first round. We played Mansfield back in 2001 and lost 1-0. And um, I think it, the reason I, I sort of flagged it and thought it was such a, a game to talk about was the lineup is such a it's just sort of classic um, lineup. You've got you've got Paul Moody in the team as well, which was just any chance to say Moody um, <laughs> is he it was when we'd re-signed him when Kassam had panicked and signed him. But the lineup was you know Ian McAlden, Sam Stockley, Phil Bolland, Hatswell, Guyet, Brooks, Omiyemi, Paul Powell, Savage, Whitehead, Moody. So you got a sort of a a team back in the day. I would have thought would I would have said was probably quite good, but then actually when you look at it. Bolland, Hatswell, Gaia in his defence is is just awful. Um, <laughs> but you know, Scott Paul Moody in there. Um, yeah. Dean Whitehead was breaking through. Manny was there. Powell still there. Um, Brooks as well. So, although it was quite, it made me smile when I saw that lineup. And playing for Mansfield was uh, Les Robinson after Aww. he left. After he left us, he played like five hundred games for us. Did Les? Yeah, and he played 80, 80 for for Mansfield. Um, so yeah, that would thought it was quite a. Brought back some nostalgia for me anyway. Nice. Good stuff. Let's look at last pick. So, um, this is going to be an interesting one. We're heading on to central midfielders, but just to recap uh, recent weeks, we somehow forgot to mention that the second centre-back spot went to Leo Roger. Mm. Um, quite a close vote, this one. So he had 28%, followed by Phil Whelan at 26%, Wayne Hatswell at 25%, and Lee Jarman at 21%. Um, but Leo, Leo comes out on top. So he sits alongside Ben Futcher at centre-back. Um, and since we last had a pod... Uh, we've now had two votes for our two wingers. Um, and winger number one was quite close um, a lot of the way through. It's also our most popular poll so far. Um, so winger number one is Courtney Pitt. And he came ahead just of uh, Gina Van Kessel. And as of yesterday, uh, the second winger, which wasn't close whatsoever, <laughs> Isaac Buckley Ricketts took over 80% of the vote. Yeah. Um, and that's probably as much down to his attitude and pure arrogance um, rather than his on-field his his career ability. his career has absolutely flopped now. It has. He, I think he went to Peterborough, signed a permanent deal, um, didn't play a game, and then has not found a club since. And um, yeah, you've got you've got to think there's something about attitude in there that's causing that. He, he comes across as the classic young player who thinks he's made it big because he was at Man City and will probably soon rock up playing for kind of a Hyde United in the Conference North or something. Um, and you do see a lot of them kind of about. But luckily, we never signed him permanently, so we didn't have to deal with him that long. Yeah, he must still be dead young. You never know, people have things going on in their life as well, don't you? Yeah, so that's true. He could, yeah. um, could come back through. Yeah. Um. So then we move on to central midfielders, and I think this is going to be uh, rather tough to even narrow it down to eight possible suggestions because at the last count, we'd had around 25 different suggestions. Wow. Um, wow. So I'm going to rattle through as many as I can, wary that listing players becomes a bit dull after a while. But um, 
just a shout out to Rich Hanna on Twitter, who's getting very involved in all our uh, <laughs> last pick polls. I think he's probably named about the entirety of the 2003-04 squad so far. Um, so, yeah, fair enough. Thanks for getting involved. Um, I think the first player to suggest is one that John's mentioned uh, previously on our WhatsApp and things is Peter Fear. So he came with a great reputa- reputation. Uh, he played 100 games and more for Wimbledon, um, signed for us, played 38 games over two years. Uh, we got relegated in his second season. And uh, frankly, he does fill me with fear uh, thinking about him in a yellow shirt. <laughs> Very good. I think, I think, John, you've mentioned, you don't you have a little quote about Peter Fear or something? Oh, it's just this, this thing that... Go on, James. What I was going to say, or a song, John. <laughs> not, not a song. It's just a rather not funny thing that me and my friend always say to us. Instead of saying, "Are you going for a beer?" We were, we we're going for a Peter Fear, <laughs> Cockney slang, rhyming for beer. Obviously, um, he did something like he retired from the game just to claim to get some sort of compensation payment when he could have he could have carried on playing for a club. It might have even been us, but he did something like he chose to retire to take the money rather than carrying on or, or something like that. But he wasn't great. And I think one of the things about players and why they should be in the last pick is if they come with a massive hype and then just awful, that pumps them up the list. So that's one of the things I I reckon he's he's got to be strong contender for. But, yeah. you know, he had, he had his moments and he had a bit of pedigree. Yeah. Um, I think other ones that have been suggested were uh, Chemi Fernandez, who was a Clotet signing. Oh, God, yeah. And, I mean, this... That entire season and Clotet's uh, recruitment strategy was weird. And the fact that this bloke is now playing part-time football in Spain whilst doing a medicine degree probably sums up his ability. Thoughts? <laughs> we signed him from Barcelona, man. He's awesome. That's what we all thought when um, well, yeah. they were across. Barca B, what's that? No, Barcelona. It was Barcelona. Yeah. Shemi deserves to be there. I don't know, actually know how many times he actually got on the pitch in the end, but it was all very... I remember in pre-season, he did something good and we were like, oh, we're in. We're going to make millions off this guy. And um, we didn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, Joe Citroen on Twitter suggested Eddie Hutchinson and Simon Heslop. Um, Hutchinson, I think, much like Peter Fear, he played at a higher level and was seen as something as a bit of a coup for the conference. And in the end, he was terrible. And wasn't it him that cost us points yeah. in the first half of the Chris Wilder era? Um, we had them deducted and then missed the playoffs by two points or something. Yeah, he got sent off a couple of times as well in key games. He was one I was going to put in there, kind of for the same reasons about the about the hype. Um, I think you're in the same um, boat around Heslop. But yeah, he was nothing groundbreaking, but he did, you know... He did put a shift in and was reasonably solid alongside a Asa Hall. Yeah, I thought Heslop was harsh, be it that he played 100 games for us, um, was relatively solid for the level that we were playing at. And um, yeah, he was decent. Where did he go after he left us? Luton. So he, I think he went to Stevenage, who were in oh, League yeah, yeah, One. Yeah. And then he was last at York, but he got seriously injured last year. And I don't think he's stepped on the pitch since. Ah, rubbish. Um then there's a few random ones that I'll rattle through. So Lee Fowler, um, who's, <laughs> to be fair to him, his entire career seems to have been impacted by kind of off-the-pitch stuff. 
So he made one sub appearance in the cup and was released. Uh, someone suggested Joe Burnell, um, who played twenty odd times in the oh eight oh nine season and was one of the strange group of players that Darren Patterson pulled together, ignoring Bino, who obviously turned out to be a legend. Um, he was a very rated like for that level. He was. I remember we signed him thinking that's a really good signing because he was. He had a pretty good record at where he'd been, but then it yeah just didn't happen. And he was just, I think we just one of those, like, he's available for transfer midway through the season and just mm. went. Um, who else we got here? Rob Rob Davies. I, I had forgotten about him until I read up on him. So he, he used to be at West Brom as a young lad. We randomly got him on trial. Again, I think this was a Darren Patterson signing. Um, he played the first half when we lost 3-0 at Barrow, live on Satanta on a Friday night, and then was never seen again. And I do remember that the club never officially announced that he'd been released. Um, so, yeah, he, he's got suggested. Lewis Chalmers, who was a random Chris Wilder loanee. Um, Mark Ibeya, who listens to this podcast. Um, <laughs> Supposedly. Rob, Rob Wollaston was going to be one that I suggested because, again, he came with pedigree and just looked like he couldn't be asked half the time. Uh, Dan Crowley. Again, he was a loanee who came a bit, you know, too big for his boots, but seems to have turned his career around. He's now at Birmingham with Pep Clotet, um, had a good spell in Holland. Uh, Adam Slade, one of the Yorkshire Yellows, suggested Samir Carruthers. Again, I think he never quite reached perhaps what he should have done for us, injury affected, of course. And I quite liked, he suggested Danny Hill, and his his quote alongside Danny Hill was... uh, he came from Spurs with lots of promise and was a bag of shit. So, <laughs> fair enough. Um, and then I, I go on. I was just going to say, do you know what I think we need to do? I know you've got a couple more to shout out, but I think we've got to have, be it that every time we do one of these polls, it seems like the most recent player will win regardless. So we might need to do like a pre-2005 players like poll and then post yeah, 2005 yeah, we'll do something like that yeah for the two positions sorry yeah because there's, there's yeah there's a lot um i had a quick raid of the kind of soccer based depths and you could make your own 11 of bad central <laughs> midfielders but a few that did stick to the mind were eddie newton who eddie think, newton yeah we had him for oh, he scored time. in the fa cup final for chelsea yeah exactly and he came and i think his <laughs> legs were done he, he looked at the end of his tether. Yeah, yeah, he, did. he did. I remember being very excited when he signed yeah. due to my family's Chelsea connections, but it didn't didn't quite pan out as I'd hoped. Um, Rob Quinn, who I think we signed in a double transfer alongside Andy Scott from Brentford. Roy Hunter, Derek Townsley, Martin. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Definitely I think- Townsley. He was, he, came, he was one of those classic, oh, I've played 300 times for Dundee in the Scottish Premier League. I'm going to be great. And he was just awful, lumbering, <laughs> lumbering idiot. Yeah, I, um, he was awful. I think, John, you've got a couple that you want to throw in as well. Uh, Martin Thomas was the other one that stuck in my mind for some reason. Again, because he came with hype and was seen as a coup. And I think we signed him from Swansea, if memory serves. But again, he just did absolutely nothing in holding midfield. Um, I think Townsley was my other one I was going to throw in the mix. Was Martin Thomas the guy who got sent off away at Lincoln when their keeper pretended he got headbutted? Ooh, or is that not sure? Uh, I don't but know. He, but he only played about twenty games, so potentially. So I think 
have you got any others, James, or have we exhausted no, the there's, thousands? There's, there's a lot there. I noticed um, James Hobbs, my mate from school, got very involved with many suggestions. Um, he, I reckon he would challenge you for trivia knowledge of Oxford as well, Jack. <laughs> oh, he, he controversially presume. suggested Andy Burgess, didn't he? Ah, yeah. Which, to be fair, I, I understood his reasoning because yeah, he did, he did go missing and was arrogant. Um, it's all part of the discussion. So, he, yeah, he could be one. But, yeah, I think the summary is there's an awful lot of midfielders um, and I think, yeah, splitting them up by kind of more recent and further further back is probably the right way to go. Um, yeah. One thing to just mention that there was a... I started a thread on the Yellows forum just to get kind of wider input and it, it quickly turned into a uh, alternative 11 described as the disruptive tosspot 11 um, <laughs> with names such as... Dean Morgan, Dave Kitson, and Julian Allsop suggested. So, at least we're kind of sparking debate about some of the uh, less uh, glamorous Oxford United players that we've seen. But yeah, we'll put we'll put the poll up soon. So, what what are we going to do with that? We're going to put two different polls out. Yeah, I think we'll um, we'll have a discussion once we've put this live and just agree on uh, the, the process. But I mean, yeah, we need to narrow that down. Uh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> we might as well just get both polls out at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Go from there. Talk about it next week. Right, we're on to the quiz. Okay. Um, I- I've looked back at this and thought, oh, this is quite hard, but never mind. There's only two of you, so um, we should be quite quick. <laughs> so this is called Youth or no youth. So there's going to be <laughs> 10 players where I'll read the player's name and then a brief description or stat. Um, and as kind of the usual process, first one to say their name gets to answer. And what I'll be looking for is the answer of youth if he was in the youth team at Oxford and did make an appearance in a first-team competitive game. So he has God. to have played in a first-team game. Mm-hmm. Or... No youth if either they were never at Oxford or never played a game. <laughs> okay. Um, there's no, there's... It, do we have to shout out or are you going round? No, yeah, so it'll be 10 questions to shout your name. First one to get in gets to answer. And obviously there's no handovers because if you get it wrong, it's obviously the other one. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like you should just alternate and give us five each. How many are there? There's 10. Give one you give us five each because otherwise I'm just going to shout in at every single. Yeah, one. no, that's fine. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll do that. So, no, uh, James, you can have the first one, and then we'll alternate. That's yeah. a good idea. So, number one is Rob Lovegrove, and uh, he was released in September 2003. So, was it youth or no youth? No youth. Correct. He was in our academy, but he never played a game. So you get one for that, James. Get it. Uh, the second one for John. Uh, Sam Baldock, so he's got 100 career goals for five different clubs. Youth or no youth? Uh, no youth. Correct, so he's never been at OUFC despite his family connections. Uh, number three, back to James. Andy Gunn. Uh, so he's youth. played a lot of non-league football, but 
with the youth or no youth? Youth. Yep. So he made three appearances in, uh, I think it was conference days, actually. I remember okay, it. Okay, number four, back to John. Reese Burke, who currently plays at centre-back for Hull. Is he youth or no youth? No youth. Correct. <laughs> Going very well. I thought I'd be very impressed. <laughs> number five, to James. Uh, Adriel George, who's been capped for Antigua and Barbuda. Youth or no youth? Youth? Yeah. So he played four, four times under Chris Wilder. Uh, back to John. Chrissy Allen, so an ex-Forest winger, now on the coaching staff at OFC. Youth or no youth? Youth. Yep. Oh, this is getting tense. <clears throat> Three so far. Uh, back to James. Uh, James Dobson, uh, so he's now at Dagenham and Redbridge and plays on the wing. Is he youth or no youth? Youth. Yep. Yeah. 100% boys, I'm very impressed. <laughs> Uh, number eight, Mark Wright, who's captain 45 times by England. Is he youth or no youth? Oh, um, I think youth. Yeah, he played 10 oh. times for us. Oh, it's coming down to the last one. He... Right, James, your last one. Dexter Blackstock, so he's played for over seven professional clubs. Was he youth or no youth? Youth. I think I played against him when I was a kid. Youth. Yeah, so, well, the interesting one, I had to look back. So, he, he was in our academy, but he never actually made it onto the first team pitch. He only ever played oh. in a non-competitive friendly. So, he's a very interesting one. Where did he go? Southampton? Southampton, yeah. Yeah. I think we a got quite a bit of money for him. Yeah. Shit, does that mean I got it wrong? Technically, yeah. Bad. But, I mean, that's a harsh one. And then the, the final one, so for John to nick it, Brady Clark, who was an emergency goalkeeper signing for Ramon Diaz, was he youth or no youth? Uh, I think he was youth. He was. Yes. So he played four times. Um, and we, yeah, we had to drag him out of the youth team when I think Chris Tardiff got injured. Well done, John. There we go. Thing is, thing is about that one is, I would have got two of yours wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I was like playing obviously playing with yours, and I was like, oh, (laughs) so um, got lucky with my my variant. That was quite good. I enjoyed. Yeah, it was nice. That unique take. Just over an hour and fifteen as well. God, yeah, it does. I I noticed that we managed to get through the kind of match summary pretty quickly, but we always end up in this place these days. But well, we had a hundred central midfielders to go through as well. (laughs) That is true. So, uh, who have we got? So we'll be next pod. We'll be talking about obviously how the South End game has gone. We'll be previewing the second round. Yeah, second round of the FA Cup, and I think that will probably be about that. Hopefully, we've got. Young Connor back and Ben back as well. We'll have to see. But um, as always, thank you to everyone that listens to the pod. We really appreciate it. And um, again, as I said in the last one, make sure that you listen to the Thames Men and the Fence End pods as well. We love our little podcast community that we have. So, okay. 
See you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Cheers.